Yes! There you go. One, two, one, two, one, two. <laughs> right, anybody watching this back, I'm going to trim out the entire start of this. Hello and welcome. I'm Anne for the Mackham. Today I'm joined by Paul Wilson and Jacob Aviard. Hello, lads. Good evening. <laughs> Hello there. It's almost like the last three minutes didn't happen at all. <laughs> Thank you for sticking around for that. I appreciate it. Um, we might be joined by DJ at some point. Not too sure where he is. He said he's coming on, so we'll see him pop in in a bit. But first and foremost, um, Jacob answered this first. So, how are we feeling about the 2-1 loss against Sheffield United? Jacob? Dev devastated. Um, winning position. Against a team that are doing well, it would have been a good three points against Sheffield. But... Mm -hmm. There were some things that the referee did that were just stupid, and but we can't always keep blaming referee. But um, yeah, we can't keep blaming the referee for the the result at the end of the ninety. But no goals that are offside should be counted offside. Penalties that are blatant, like there is some blame there if we're heavily reliant on that being our um our source of goals then it is what it is. Um, but yeah, let's play on the ref for, for a couple of moments in that game. But like you said, the whole 90, it's not just the ref in four or five different key moments. It's the entire 90 where we've got to score more goals. Um, Paul, what are you thinking, mate? What? Well, since I was there, uh, I'm actually felt, I actually felt angry. Okay. Uh, after the game, to be honest. But what were you angry at? Uh, I, I, I actually think it was the referee's performance for me, to be honest. Okay. Because I, I was going to say, I wouldn't have felt any kind of anger or bitter, bitterness towards our players in that game. Yeah, we lost, but we actually put in a good shift and didn't embarrass ourselves like we did when we lost against um what's it called stoke that performance was abysmal this game i think we actually put in a half decent shift do you disagree with that mm. i don't think we were bad you don't think we were bad i, th I thought we played all right um yeah paul yeah, actually, I have, to, I have to agree with you, mate. That, that, I wasn't actually angry with the players because I thought the players actually um, did all right, actually. It was, for me, it was just the referee. Yeah. That actually made me angry, to be honest. Yeah, so it's the officiating again. How many games this season have we said that it's been ruined by poor match officiating? If it, is, that the, is that a word? Officiating? <laughs> but the, the referees dominating a game rather than the players. Um, it's got to be like our third this month. Um, yeah. So uh, Rosie's chipped in on, on the chat. Hello, Rosie. Hello, Astra. Hello, Jacob. Again. <laughs> Hello, Acacia. Good evening. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, even though I don't really celebrate it. Um, the I've lost my point. 
I'm just I'm just so happy St. Patrick's Day. Then I started to read Brad's hello Brad, um, uh, Brad's message. But uh, Rosie says the officials apologising to the coaching staff and not to the manager at the end of the game shows that they are aware that they made a mistake in that pretty much straight away. Is it a verbal apology? Or is it a, a written apology that we need to have from from the EFL? Really, not just this, not just this one referee. It, it's happened multiple times. I think both. Both. I think uh, both really. Know that might be a bit greedy, but mm-hmm. you know the EFL is corrupt and things need to change. Yeah. In my uh, opinion. Interesting on that one because Tony Mowbray said today that um, Kevin Friend, uh, which we don't like in the Premier League, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin Friend actually phoned up Tony Mowbray uh, and actually apologised uh, for their second goal because it shouldn't have stood. Yep. Again, yeah. Do you think there's some kind of balancing that needs to happen if this if this moment if this offside goal was in the first half do you think there would have been some of that um, the penalty appeals might have been given in the second half to balance it out do you think it's because it was in the second half and never got the chance to be balanced out maybe yeah um, it was it was, I bet even as a, a lot of neutrals would have agreed, anyone would have seen that as offside if, yeah. you know I bet it wouldn't have happened the other way around, wouldn't it? If, Sun- if that happened, if that was Sunland's goal, they'd have said, oh, no, offside. Probably. Um, well, it was offside. I think there's... It was, yeah. The, the, if you're only counting the, the the touches that were involved, so the, the, the free kick taker and, and in the back of the net, there was no other touch involved, but the going for the player and swinging his foot at the ball, missing... Airballing it essentially, um, that is what makes him offside. He attempted to play the ball. Doesn't matter if he touches the ball; he attempted to play, and therefore is interfering with the play. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to equate something to like a little bit more layman terms. It's like having salt and vinegar on the side <laughs> if you if you fish and chips, but. Um, not eating, like not putting it on the on the meal. It's there. It's intended to be used, but it never actually happened. It's still going to be a salt and vinegar fish and chips. I think that's a really poor analogy, but there you go. Sask, welcome along. Um, yeah, and Acacia says, but the referee pissed me off so much because us players, our player Sander Burge and John Egan were offside, and it should have been a penalty for us, Sunderland. Though, um, but Acacia's not going to say much else because. Um, it's called she knows you'll yeah and she knows it'll wind you up brad said the team who we played on wednesday sheffield united of all teams they were close to going to administration if they don't put the bid in by thursday i'm not sure what that means are you aware what that means yeah i've seen that come uh it was it was in daily mail today so are they um, are Sheffield United likely to go into administration? Is that what she's saying? Yeah, that's what Brad's on about. Oh, Brad, yeah, sorry, I mixed the case. She's messaging Brad's up there, yeah. Um, that's that's really really bizarre. 
Oh, I want a fish and chips now. It is Fish Friday. So, okay, go for it. I went on for a minute and we're talking about fish and chips. I know, I know. Well, it's, to be fair, I'm disappointed. I went for fish and chips for tea tonight and uh, they basically said they're not going to be d delivering because they've got no driver on. And I was like, oh. So I went without with fish and chips. Don't you start, Jacob. Don't you start. You're going to be in trouble with Acacia. Uh, all right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, lads. The the game on was it Saturday, Sunday? Yeah, tomorrow. No, it was Wednesday. No, no, the the game that we played that was the midweek one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was Wednesday. Yeah, the the days are all flying and merging into one now. Um, we're picking fast towards the end of the season. The result of that game. Here's a question and answer it in in either order. Um. Do you think Sunderland's season is essentially over now? Not necessarily. I mean, I'd still like to get some wins on the way, but it's pretty. It's all like pretty much confirmed where whereabouts will finish. You know, around where we are. So, so what you're saying is yes. Yeah, it's yeah. To be fair, I think it. Kind of is, to be honest. But it doesn't mean we should drop our heads and say, let's not bother winning, because I still want us to go out and win some games. But the... know, we're not, we don't need to worry about relegation or yeah. okay. being nervous about the playoffs. So, you know. Fair. Paul, do you think our season's done and dusted now? Yeah, I, I, I think it is, to, to be honest. I, I know, um, well, Mopi actually was asked on it um, in the press conference today, actually. Mm -hmm. um, if the players should now, you know, what's the, you know, what's the plan now for the uh, for the rest of the season? Um, Mopi said they're actually going to now try and, you know, uh, win as much games as we can now. Uh, right until the, you know, until the final whistle goes at the end of the season. Oh, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I think it's it's probably a good thing um, that we know where we stand. Um, if we're saying our season's over, as in we're not going to like absolutely desperately push for the playoffs, and we're just going to play smart football, I'm all for that. If we are, if we're saying the season's over, we might as well not turn up. That's what I'm kind of not hoping for. There is a couple of games in that mix where I can see us struggling and classing them as free hits. Burnley being a, a very clear, safe point, I guess. Um, Luton might be on that stretch as well, but there's there's other teams that we've got to come up against that I think we should definitely still be winning, even if our season is, in theory, over and done dusted. There's only an eight-point gap between us and sixth, but that does rely on five other teams ahead of us dropping the points at the same rate as the teams in the playoffs and us being above that. That's very unlikely. So... Um, the Luton game I think if we pick up a point that's a huge point uh, three points would be really beneficial to those five teams above us as well um, because if Luton loses there's there's a, a smaller gap to close down on um, Burnley I think have just ran away with the league I think if they they could have the league sewn up now because uh, Middlesbrough and Sheffield drop points in the midweek um, they can actually have the game sewn up against Sheffield 
if they lose that, then it's against Middlesbrough. So they could actually win the league in two, three games' time, which is mad. Um, it's going to be one of the earliest winnings of a, a league that there ever has been. Um, I know Reading did a really good one a couple of years back, but still. Um, Stas has asked you a little, little bit of a question that uh, brought me off. Macam, are you wearing green? No, I'm not. Um, I'm not really a massive um, celebrator of St. Patrick's Day because I'm not Irish, um, but won't mind it. I'd rather I'd rather there be a bigger thing about St. George's Day because we're English, um, but nobody really likes that, so let's not bother. Uh, Rosie says, Sheffield players was offside, but we should be down to 10 men as our player should have been sent off for his challenge. I can't remember much of it, but it's, it's I don't know. It was just a disappointing loss at the end of the day, being in a winning position to dropping down to a 2-1 two, two, loss. A bit small. <laughs> so, that game aside, right, there was, a, there was a couple of things that were happening in the background off the game. So you had uh, Dembele, who was at the game, speaking to KLD. Do you have any thoughts on that, boys? Uh, well, I've heard it's because he's got connections with uh, Drake, with Dembele, and mm-hmm. also I saw, I saw a post um, that someone shared, and it was Drake first talking with Dembele with another player as well, uh, who had a sca- uh, It looks like they had Sun and Shaft in his hand, and so did Dembele. So I'm thinking who, who that other guy was. But I thought it was his brother, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if his brother played football, you know. But yeah, there was there was two lads yeah. speaking to KLD, and they both had the Sunland Sunland shirt in the hand at the end of the game, and it was all over the social. It was like, nice to meet you, Dembele. Nice to meet you. They didn't bother with the other the other guy, but um, do you think there's some potential of us signing a Barcelona player? We've had a PSG a PSG player in Misha this year. Um, is it Barcelona next? I mean, anything can happen in football. So <laughs> if you, ne- if never you say never. If you throw enough money at it, I guess. Um, yeah. Paul, I'd love to sign him. I'll be, I'll be, yeah. I don't know if you know much about how uh, Barcelona are in the last couple of years, but they're now in a transfer embargo. So the pl- they can the players can leave, but they can't join. So they'd have to use academy players um, for Barcelona to fill out their first team because they just threw money at stuff and, and got titles because financial fair play. And we know teams that are throwing money at clubs and financial fair play are coming into, uh, coming into effect a little bit harshly. So there's a glimmer of hope for, <laughs> for the rest of the league um, once that gets ironed out. Um Paul, what's your thoughts on Dembele? To be honest, I, I think he was just there because um, apparently he's he's good friends uh, with um, KLD. Is it just? Uh, I just thought it's French. Is it a French thing again? Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he just came to watch the game. Uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. He just came to watch the game and got a, a, a nice little like personal package from the owner because they're mates. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He, he probably just came just, you know, to see what would, you know, what would turn like. Yeah. Um, so on that, there's... Um, Brad's popped in, said uh, we're keen to sign Bradley Dak from Blackburn Rovers in the summer transfer window. Keisha says it won't happen. Um, but we've obviously talked quite a bit on this podcast over the last couple of couple of weeks and months about our gaps and um, our injury worries around the striker position. Do you think it's a bit too early about talking talking to those players, the players like Dembele, maybe Dak, um, and others about this summer transfer window when we've still got nine games left? Is it is it too early or is it the right time to start amping up our our window? Um I think um, I see both sides, but at the same time. It's like we can, it's good that we cannot because we're not in any need of relegation or fighting for the playoffs. Yeah. We could maybe start a little early to prepare for next season. And if we get him then he'd be a great asset to the club and you know, so Yeah. Okay. I, I, maybe prepare a little bit for next season. Yeah, the 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 question is, do you think those conversations like bringing uh, Dembele to the club is a, a start of a move or is it do you think it could be like it's who you know in football so is the other players in the academy at Barcelona that might be considering or getting frustrated do you think that's the kind of conversation he has so we're not getting Dembele himself but his mate was there nobody knows who his mate was but he could be a Barcelona B player Um, he could be an academy player um, in another Spanish Spanish league team because he wasn't tagged I don't know who he was um, I don't think anybody really called out who he was but that's ca- those kind of conversations with KLD um, now taking a bigger share in the club I even think yeah I know they just tagged Dembele in it because he's the bigger name I think but yeah do you think that's a good sign that we are having these conversations now, trying to work out who's who's open to to moving in the summer? Yeah, just to prepare, prepare ourselves earlier than other clubs. To be fair, so the mm. the play the new players possibly the possibly possible new players can maybe get used to Sunderland and the area as well and get to know what the people are like and you know what the atmosphere will be like at the stadium you know yeah so it's and maybe get to know some of the players as well and the manager yeah okay uh, I, I like the sound of that to be honest um so there is there is news from uh Sunderland today and rosie's popped it up there in the in the chat saying kildy has bought more shares in sunderland Basically, the same people who own Sunderland still own Sunderland, but the majority ownership has swayed quite chunk, like a big chunk towards KLD. Um, he is now a fifty-eight percent owner instead of fifty-one. And who's the other one? He stepped up to thirty-nine percent. And Donald dropped. Santori. Santori. Yeah, he's he's drew, he's gone into the high thirty percent, and um, Donald's dropped down to nine percent ownership. Um, 
is that a good sign that we are edging Donald out? Or is it just a case of Donald trying to milk it for as much as it's worth? Well, that's interesting, actually, because I, I actually think Donald will probably still be here until we get to the Premier League. And sell on. Yeah, that's what I think. But do you not think he wants to stay? Yeah, fair enough. Like, say, like, if... I don't know, but like, say, like, if KLD needs help, fair enough, once the Tories there, but once the Tories not always at the club. And I, I know Donald's yeah. in the background, but, like, say, like, if... Yeah, because KLD is young... Say, like, if he, if he needs, I don't know, say, like, support or anything. Yeah. Uh, Donald's in the background. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic because, essentially, the ownership and the um the sway towards, like, who we sign, where we spend our money is still, still has those three individuals having massive input. Maybe there's some kind of commercial um agreement on the buying of those shares that, um, allows KLD to have a more um, direct say in the spend. Maybe that's why he's bought up his percentage and not completely bought him outright. I, d I honestly don't know, but it's it seems to be a it's a power play. It's kind of like a house of what's it called? What's it called? That big show, fucking five years ago, ended with dragons and stuff. Uh, no, Dragon's Den. Or no, it was huge. Oh my god! Somebody in the chat is going to go like, "Are you that dumb? Can you not think of it?" Um, the Targaryens, Jon Snow, Game of Game of Thrones. Thrones. Gee, how could I not get Game of Thrones? That's how. <laughs> Maybe it's some kind of Game of Thrones player with the owners. Jesus, that was that was that was hard to pull out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, do you think it's some kind of power play between those three people as to who owns what? And because by the sounds of it, Donald is on the way out. Like his his shares are getting smaller and smaller at each announcement. So is it him trying to clutch onto it and hold onto it for as long as possible, or is he still passionate about Sunderland and? Our fan base is just completely unaware of that. And same with that, we never know because we never see Donald at uh, at any games. We we never really see him until his name pops up in in one of these announcements. So, like, it it's yeah, it just feels weird. It's interesting because it's interesting because Donald's not actually on the board. Not anymore, but he's. But he's still like if there's a big capital spend, he has to have seen it. I, what I'm saying is, if KLD has bought out more shares, is that because that amount of say that he would have needed? Say if it was over ten percent, you have to you have to provide funds towards that purchase of the player. Now he's in nine percent. Um, is that purchase of the player like completely on KLD and um, Santori? Is it just those two that have to buy the player now, or is it all three of them still? I, I think it would be really interesting to see how that dynamic still works, because we need more players in, and we need to have and present a solid, stable environment for these players coming in. Do you, 
What do you think? Nice. Hopefully it'll make sense, mate. If, if he's got if he's got nothing to add on, um, that's fine. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll, move, I'll move on. So we've got KLD, we've got the we've got the ownerships, and we've got the um the Sheffield United game done and dusted. That's out of the way. What we've got to look forward to now is Luton, another team in the playoffs, another team that is massively on form. They've won four out of the last five, drew the other game, so. What's that? Thirteen points out of possible fifteen versus our our three. Um, is this the best or worst time to play Luton? Shoot, it's not the best, really. But I mean, look what we did against Norwich. I mean, I don't see why we can't do another surprise win against a team that's in the top half. So, okay, you never know. Luton, Luton could maybe slip up. So, you know. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Unless, unless the referees, unless the, unless the referees are cunt and we lose due to his shit job of a referee. Yeah. Which one surprised me. So the the last two games, I think they've won them both one nil. If if memory serves me, like it, it, it's um, it's it's usually quite tight, and it's one moment in it. Um. Yeah, I've seen their last two results. They actually have won 1-0 on both of them. Yeah, so do you think we have what it takes to defend against these for the full 19 keep clean sheet? Because it, it could be split by one goal. They're a low-scoring team for the entire season. They've got an average of two goals per game, or less than two goals per game. Well, yeah, it would be interesting. Be interesting to know actually how we get on against these, you know, you know after playing them down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've got a new manager as well. I think uh, Tony Tony Morby did mention. Um, not exactly who it was, but uh, the new manager has done. Morby said the new manager's done well. Clearly, mate, the the fourth and the comfortably in the playoffs with a game to spare. At least two games to spare, so they're on sixty-three. Norwich in seven for on fifty-six. So they could lose to us. They could take a free hit against us and still be comfortably in the playoffs. So I don't think they have all that much other than potentially securing that playoff spot for another game um, to come up against us as. So I don't think they're going to come out the gates and attack us all that often. Um, it's just can we. Sustain these counter attacks, the slip up moments, the the dodgy passes around the back. Like, do we have too much vulnerability in our current squad to to sustain ninety minutes against a team that is basically very clinical and ruthless in one or two moments in a game? You know, the thing is, it'd be interesting with this because um, I've just seen that when we played them down there, it was actually a draw. Uh, one one down there. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're actually at home. <laughs> uh, it'll be very interesting for us. Home advantage is not necessarily a given for Sunderland, though. As you can see, we've got. If you're looking at our stats, mate, like you can see, our away form is much better than our home form this season. I think we've won like five or six games at home. 
out of 19. 18, 19. It's not great. You know, think, Lord, because, well, this is our final home, uh, final game before the international break. Yeah. Do you not, do you not think uh, the players will, will want to, um, you know, get a win at home? Yeah, you know, especially with all, you know, fed off one against Norwich, but like the losses we've had. Yeah. Do you not, do you not think the players will actually want to get one back? I, you'd hope. You'd absolutely hope. Jacob, I'll open that question to you as well. Like, what do you reckon? Um, sorry, what was the question again? I went into <laughs> you, you zoned out for a second. No, it, yeah. So, so the que- the question, if I'm um repeating you cor- correctly back here, is do you think that because we're at home and because it's just before the international break that we'll want to gun out? guns blazing and get a win from this game or do you think it's just a case of recovery from the Sheffield United game um, I think they'll want to go with a go out maybe four guns blazing before um, international break so that they can end on a good note and then when we come back try mm-hmm. and pick up a few more good wins and you know, pick up where we left off. So I like, it would be nice to just get a few more wins now because we, I think we deserve it, really. Just... I'll, ask, I'll ask you both a quick question then. What do you think the scoreline's going to be? What's your prediction for this Luton game? Oh, 2-1 Sunland. Safe bet. Okay. And... Um... I'm going to go 3-1 Sunderland. See, he's both very, very confident. Do you know what I'm going to say? A Sunderland loss. No, no, no. I'm going to say nil-nil. I, I think our ultimate goal for now and the rest of the season is to prove that we defensively have our head switched on. Um, and that has been a massive gap. Like We've conceded how many goals compared to the rest of the top of the league? 45? The nearest one to us in the top half is Norwich on 41. No, sorry, Millsborough on 42, but they've absolutely dominated scoring up front. So I think we need to clean up our defence before we can start striving towards those playoffs. So I'm going to go for a nil-nil. Um, I don't like ever watching nil-nils, um, but they happen. And I think, yeah, defensively, we need to tighten it up. The clear, the clear gap of... Um, the Sheffield United when what was it the board got held up some of our players were distracted by the board and then they had a big gap in the middle of the park and levelled just before half time so it's those kind of things that I think we need to just iron out completely defend until the whistle blows just ignore any other distractions do your job for 90 minutes plus injuries and that that would be my team talk if I was Mowbray you can't lose if you don't concede very, very simple. Um, yeah, well, it, it's interesting because when um, Morbid done his press conference today, mm-hmm. he actually said actually that there'll be, a, I think it's a last minute injury. Um, he wouldn't say uh, who it is. Sorry, what? 
it, it wouldn't say who the injury was. No. So they're not getting picked for the starting 11 either way. But he's not going to tell us who that is until the team sheets are out. But uh, all nine is um, all nine's okay after limping off. That just sounds really bizarre. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a wild punt in the dark here and say it's Trey Hume. Um, Trey Hume has been injured a couple of times uh, over recent months, and he's actually foot fitted back into the squad quite well. So I'm, I'm thinking it might be Trey Hume, but it might be a slight knock and a re um. A reopening of his previous <laughs> previous injury, shall we say? Um, that's a really weird statement to make. I think somebody's injured, but I'm not telling you who. That's either somebody who's been a glass a glass slipper and or glass legs and had loads of injuries, or somebody who's like in the on the suspension lot. Oh. That's really weird. It'll be interesting though because Mowbray did say actually that uh, some players actually didn't join today, but I think he is going to check on them. To be honest, uh, to be honest though, I think we're probably overexerting our players too much, which is causing these gaps. So, if I was holding the training session um, between Wednesday and s Saturday, that's Three, three business days. You've got a one-day rest and one-day warm-up, essentially. The day in the middle is if you want extra people training. Uh, I, I would If if your players on the pitch that you're starting 11 are starting to show signs of serious fatigue, you just give them an extra day of rest and you put everybody who's on the fringe in the training session and, and basically use that as a good scouting exercise on who's next to fill gaps if that person does get full-time injured or or what. But you'd think as well, the likes of Luke or Nine start there going, I don't care if I, I don't care. Yeah, I, I think he would be like the kind of person who says, I don't care if I'm injured, I'm still training. You've got you've got those types. But I think Ballard and Bath will be exactly the same. They would much rather show how good they are on the training pitch and make sure that they cement their starting place than take a day off. So, very interesting comment there. <laughs> um, yeah, well, well, the thing is, Mowbray said on, because uh, a lot of the um, media was keep asking about Dennis Serkin. Okay. Um, Mowbray said uh, Dennis Serkin actually saw a specialist in London this week, but has not yet been given the, uh, all clear to resume full training. I'm kind of okay with that. I, I, I think he's a player that's on the fringe in any ways. He is a, he's a person who either starts and gets subbed off at the 60-minute mark or he comes on at the 60-minute mark. He's not a, a full 90 clinical person to our current current squad. He is absolutely quality, don't get me wrong, but like, he's not he's not Ross Stewart essential, if that makes sense. More people are talking about Ross Stewart's injury than Dennis Erkins. Right? Am I, am I wrong there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. The one thing I don't want more bit to do is mm -hmm. drop ball tomorrow. What do you mean, drop ball? What do you yeah, mean? Like, cause, you know, because uh, ball will help. Gellhart 
Who's Paul? Paul. Paul. Oh, okay. Danny Barth. Okay. Sorry, I was like, who's Paul? I was like, Kevin Ball? Oh, he hasn't played. He's a coach. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Barth. Okay. Got you. Well, not not Bars, but um, Abdullah Bar. Oh, Bar, B A, Abdullah Bar. Got you. Um, sorry. <laughs> okay, that that took me way too long to 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 comprehend that. That must be I'm getting a bit tired. <laughs> um. Anyways, right. The 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 last point I want to want to discuss is because we've mentioned it a couple of times. Sunland season's over. Who is who's still in the race? Um, I think everybody's in agreement. Just say yes or no. Burnley are winning this title. Yes. Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, "Who's in the still still in the title race?" No, I'm just I'm yeah. bit. My my question is who not who's in the title race? Who's still in the game? If we're saying Sunderland season's over at this stage, who else is still? Fighting for playoffs, fighting for the rest of the season, fighting for position. Yeah. Who's who's doing what? So Burnley have won it, so they can basically, if they win the next two games, they can step the foot off the pedal all they like. They've won the title. Yeah. Sheffield United and Middlesbrough. Do you think Luton is also in that that little bit of a, a free pocket team that are playing for the last automatic slot? Yeah, I'd say Luton want to want to try and finish getting the playoffs and they'll be up for it tomorrow because they'll want to try and secure their place you know well, I think they've I, f- I think they're that, that far ahead of Norwich I think they've already secured playoffs it's yeah. it's the automatics now are you saying it's Sheffield are automatically going up yeah I think Norwich uh, no no sorry Burnley and Sheffield and then I don't know how the semis will pan out, but I think the fat playoff final actually might be Norwich and Middlesbrough. So. Okay. Okay. So you're saying Burnley, Burnley automatic, Sheffield are going to finish automatic, so they're they're going to fight for that. Do you think Middlesbrough and Luton are going to try and climb to automatics, as or claw the gap on Sheffield as much as possible? Who uh, who from Blackburn down then is still playing for the playoffs? So you have got Blackburn, Millwall, Norwich, West Brom, Cov, Watford. Preston, then us. We've already said we're out of it. Um, Preston are one point ahead of us. Watford, two. Paul? It would be interesting with Watford, though, because they keep changing manager. Yep. It would be interesting because they've just got Chris Wilder. That's Uh, a big name, isn't it? But do you think it's a little bit too little too late? Do you think Watford, with changing their manager again, are... He's got like ten games to see what his squad is like, and then look at the market in the in the summer. Do you think they've claimed their season's over now then, as well? Yeah, I think their season's over. What about Cov in ninth? It's interesting with them actually because uh, they're interesting interesting against us. So, mm-hmm. I think I think that I actually think they could go up. They could go in the playoffs. So, what's really interesting about that is because they're basically on the exact same amount of points as Watford. So you're saying, even though Watford and Cov are on the same points, that's the bracket, that's the mentality. So anybody Cov up could be in the playoffs come the end of the season. 
Um, so Watford and then down to where? Where in the bottom half of the table do you say this team could go, could get relegated? Um, you've got Bristol in 13th on 48, Stoke on 14th on 47, Hull 15th on 46, Reading 44, um, Swansea 43, Birmingham QPR both on 42, Rotherham on 40, Cardiff on 39 and Blackpool on 35, Huddersfield and Wigan on 33 at the bottom of the table. Where do you think, obviously there's a four point gap between Blackpool and Cardiff, that's still two games, but how, how far up the table do you think is safe? Who do you think is safe in that? It does help if you've got the league table in front of you, by the way. Um, see for... I think Stoke are definitely safe, I think, to be honest. Unfortunately, because I fucking hate Alex Neal, but... Uh, I think, yeah, Bristol are... And I'd say... So, um, like, Preston are, I think, of course. Yeah. Well, I don't think Hull will go down... So I'd say from now from Stoke to so fourteenth, fourteenth to maybe eighteenth, for maybe fourteenth to eighteenth because they're all safe. Are you saying? Yeah. Okay, so you're saying QPR, Rotherham, and Cardiff are still within a fight for survival, and um, mm. the rest are safe. See, I think it's a little bit different, but I'll let I'll let Paul chip in now on the on the league season. It's interesting as well because QPR's just uh, just got Ainsworth. Yeah, but he hasn't got enough time to see what his squad's about, and he's just thrown in front of games. Right, he's got two week break, I guess, in the international. But yeah, go on. Who do you think? Who do you think's still in the relegation fight? Probably Rotherham. Rotherham down. Rotherham, Cardiff, Blackpool, Huddersfield, Wigan. Those five teams. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with those five teams, but I'm also gonna tack on two teams above them, but they're not like directly above them. I'm gonna throw in Reading and QPR into that mix. So Reading are on 44 points. I think they've done enough for the majority of the season, but the way they've performed over the last month and a half. It's shambolic. I think there's there's something clinically wrong at that club. Can't tell you what it is. I don't know enough about them. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I don't follow them that closely. But you can see something is not right at Reading, um, and I can think I can genuinely see them losing every single game they've got left this season. Um, Reading just got the five point uh, deduction from the AFL. I don't know. Have they? I'm I'm sure it was um, due to be announced that they were going to get it. Okay, there you go. That even that even that even adds fuel to the mix. That puts them on level points with Cardiff in twenty first. Man, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, Nostrum PC says I think Sunderland are going to finish eighth. That's really good, and he feels Luton will get promotion, which will be mad to see. Uh, not to hear, but they will probably come straight back down. No offense to them. Yeah, fair enough. I like. They've not got the infrastructure for the Premier League, but we said that about Bournemouth when they went up. They were, what is it, 12,000 seat a stadium and they've been up and down ever since. So you don't necessarily have to have a big traditional club to 
to be Premier League worthy anymore. It's just about the players. And that's what I kind of like about football. <laughs> you could have this little team. You could have potentially South Shields FC in like 10, 20 years time playing in League One in the Championship um, if the players and the, the back office is run efficiently, correctly and, and smart. Um, yeah, it's just a, a points-based game. The more points you get, the easier it is to be in a nicer conversation. So, yeah, um, to my point, Reading, QPR, Rotherham, Cardiff are still in with like a shout of being dropped into that bottom three. I can see Blackpool now um, starting to edge away with it. That's 6 1 win. Who is that against? QPR. Yeah, that, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Which is another reason I think QPR and a little bit of die straights. So, um, yeah, interesting times. Oh. That might be a bit of a bogey team for Coventry. Coventry have um, Coventry have got a funny history with Blackpool, right? But also, yeah, Coventry were down in the dumps with us for a couple of seasons. So, understandable. Yeah. Anyways, that's fun. Uh, what time is our game tomorrow? And are you both coming along to the watch along or are you going to the game in person? Uh, it's a three o'clock kickoff tomorrow. Um, three o'clock kickoff tomorrow, and are you coming on the watch along? Oh, I will be awesome. Nice to actually go into the game. It's at home, <laughs> it is at home, but uh, on the odd occasion, that doesn't always mean people can make it. So, um, yeah, uh, do you, do you want to wrap up and say anything before we um, we end this one? It's been a bit of a strange one. Um, happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um yeah interesting right i'm gonna wrap it there end of the podcast end of the stream thank you very much everybody catch you on the watch along for the Sunderland game tomorrow if you want to get involved in one of these podcasts tune in live on youtube or catch up on any good podcasting services like google spotify and amazon just to catch up on one only Macam football show from, bye from me and for the Mac from Paul See you later. and from Jacob good night all and enjoy the rest of the evening and away the lads <laughs>